welcome family, honeys, ohana, friends, and anyone else who has found themselves listening to this fourth episode of Podcast. Today's guest is a pink-haired cat mother, a planet-saving board gamer, a sewer and a chocolate treat maker, and an NHS hero. Welcome, Becky. Well, ha. <laughs> well, ha. <laughs> um, I'd like to start by telling everyone three things that they may not know about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, you have a number of very small and beautiful tattoos, hmm. some of which you've done yourself. I have. Yeah. Number two, you are an incredible baker, and the stuff you make is crack food. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's made me into a potato. (laughs) And number three, this is one of the things that makes you an incredible neighbour. But one of the things that I love most about you is that you are a friend first and a neighbour second. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to start by asking you, what you drinking? I am drinking my classic of cheap white wine. Mm. And lemonade, because Classic I'm still compliment. a bit of a child, and a bit some wines. I'm just oh, hits a bit too hard. So, do you have this thing? I had this thing for ages where I only liked alcohol that didn't taste like alcohol. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like lemonade. fruit juice. But <laughs> yeah, with that make gets you drunk. Yeah, <laughs> and it feels healthy if you feel like you're being hydrated and you're having your five a day. But you're also yeah. destroying your liver, and that's okay. That's okay. It's yeah. like you're having your alcoholic drink, and then you're in between soft drink at the same time. Mm, exactly. Saving time. You're just saving time. Mm-hmm. It's just an effective time-saving <laughs> device, really. <laughs> I I solely buy wines really on their labels, like oh yeah, price mainly because I still don't earn loads of money, but mm-hmm. um, also just the design of the packaging and stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, kind. I think I do the same thing. I think the first thing I did when I brought back this bottle of wine was show Sam, like, look at this bottle. How pretty is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what it tastes like. Recycling. Nice. Um. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is give us your sixty second life story. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um. I need to get the, the timer up. I feel um. like now I've had, three previous episodes to think about mine now. Yeah, you've seen the I'm mistakes like, that have oh, been made. I w- well, I'll still probably fuck it up, but <laughs> I uh, can say that I have experience of it, so... There you go. Oh. No excuses. Yeah, literally no excuses. <laughs> okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so I was born in Exeter in Devon, uh, in the southwest of UK. Uh, and about eight weeks after I was born, uh, me and my family moved over to Canada, uh, to the East Coast, Nova Scotia, because my dad was in the Navy. So we were out there for two years and uh, had uh, my two older brothers over there as well. So they did a lot of a lot of their sort of schooling and growing up over there whilst I was still a, a wee baby. Um, and then after two years, we came back and we settled... Um, in a little village in the countryside in also Devon and I grew up there 
and I went to school and I went to secondary school, which I hated and ended up leaving because I was just very unwell. Um, went to college and ended up doing completely different subjects, but I just loved the sort of freedom of it um, and ended up going and started working in my local hospital um, as a, an HCA healthcare assistant. Um, and then I decided to go to uni in Bristol and do my nursing degree. And here I am really, somewhere along the way, I met Sam and we gained a cat and lots of weird furniture and <laughs> plants and things. And uh, yeah, we're living at large downstairs. <laughs> That was great. I gave you a minute and a half because I was just like, I was just so interested. I, I, I stopped like, looking. <laughs> I completely like forgot I was supposed to be timing it. <laughs> wow, what an amazing story. So for the first bit of your life, you were like Eliza Thornberry. Uh, without, without the sort of wild animals and things. But yeah, <laughs> in a way, but with donuts and lovely speaking people. <laughs> so yeah. cool. That's uh, so cool. I didn't realise how quick how like yeah. uh, you went into healthcare and um so I think like so my mum has like a number of um like chronic illnesses and I think from that like I've always kind of had this caring aspect mm. and sort of wanting to know like oh well why do you take that medication and what what do you go for that treatment for and blah 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 I've always found it really interesting and it's I think nursing in general is such a like a learning opportunity you are always going to learn even if you've been doing the job in general nursing for 50 years you can go into a different aspect and there will always be something to learn so I think that's like that's my favorite bit of it really um but yeah at, at some point I wanted to be a primary school teacher mm. I wanted to do philosophy and ethics at uni um because wow. I really enjoyed kind of thinking about big big things um what else did I want to do they're very yeah. impactful things like kind of having an impact on the world, like all of those things in some way. In a way, I guess. Um, but I think a lot of it was just being, having that opportunity to learn. Yeah. Because I just love learning stuff. Like any random facts people know, I'm just like, oh, tell me. Tell me, like, why is it a random fact to you? Why have you chosen to, like, remember that? But yeah. also just keeping me info because I love it so you're a sponge brain I'm not because my memory is shocking <laughs> that's why I remember really ridiculous random things but nice yeah I do love learning things so it's really fun sounds like you're in like the right career then for that yeah even kind of but I wasn't like out of school at all I hate that's school. really that's really yeah interesting. but I think now I'm in a position where I can learn how I want and when I want and what I want mm the pressure's off and I'm just like oh yeah I do actually want to learn now it's really like to. it's really interesting that you say that can like it's like the same as what what I was talking to my dad about mm. about how he had a terrible experience in school and then he went into education yeah and you said that you had a terrible experience in school mm -hmm. but still you have this like need to learn and you even considered being a primary school yeah. teacher I think it's wanting to change like the experiences for people in the future like your dad said, like he he didn't enjoy school, but I think going into education meant that he can he can make an impact on those people's lives who 
were struggling at school and didn't have the opportunities that he did when he was at school mm. kind of thing so kind of moving on the generation and making it better and better slowly That's so cool um my next question is how do we know each other oh so i stole your flat basically <laughs> <laughs> how dare you yeah. i'm just following you around <laughs> um so Moving out of sort of uni accommodation, finally, finishing my degree, and me and Sam were looking for somewhere to live in Bristol, our first place to live. Um, and I was looking around for months and months and months, and I couldn't find anything. And I met Carrie, who is a wonderful um, estate agent, mm-hmm. I suppose, um, for somewhat of a, a better word. She... Um, just felt like a mum who really wanted to find somewhere for you to live rather than an actual estate agent and she was like she showed me a flat that was just teeny tiny she said oh no I know somewhere I'll show you this one it's just up the road I thought okay cool like I whatever show me a house I'll, I'll live in it and she showed me the flat just below this one which we ended up not living in and it went through but then she said oh no holly will be moving out of her flat and you can wait and live in her flat and i came to see it and i remember it was like 10 in the morning and i had a little look around and you had loads of post-it notes <clears throat> around the flat for like spanish i think yes, it was for someone oh you were staying someone was staying with you um was it someone that was staying with you or you were trying to learn some spanish i was trying to learn spanish because of jorge yeah yeah um and it just seemed like such a lovely, like, homely flat. And you had loads of plants and really nice furniture. And I was just like, I just don't even need to bring my stuff. Your stuff is already here that I like. Like, <laughs> I'll just move in. Uh, and, yeah. And then then we became neighbours as well, which has been yeah. so lovely. Like, yeah, as so you said, fun. having a friend who's a neighbour. And we swap face masks and recommend films and share like baking stuff it's just it's the best i've never i've never had anything like this before where you like actually are like genuine friends with your neighbors and it makes such a difference to how your home feels i say it to sam all the time like we are so grateful for where we live like location wise and our flat but also just the neighbor aspect is so wonderful and it will be so sad when whoever decides to like move on to another place mm. it'd be really sad but yeah. i feel like we'll obviously still stay in contact and stuff yeah so 100% it'll just be weird like not having not the, being next yeah like, up, up the stairs exactly from, from you. yeah so you're on the ground floor now and i'm on the second floor the top uh-huh. floor but it's yeah so i've hard. totally forgotten that you had initially gone for the first yeah. floor yeah and i'm actually really glad we didn't that. because it didn't suit us it just kind of it just ended up like well apparently working but then it fell through um and I'm really glad it did because your flat just is so much brighter and warmer and like it just suits us so much better that's so good Mm. oh that's so nice it things always end up working out yeah the right way as meant to be yeah so the next part of the podcast is your quick fire questions okay um and again you've got a much easier job than Jorge did because he he was the first guinea pig and yeah, just like had never heard these prep. before 
Um, so they're the first questions as always because I didn't want to be mean and change them all. <laughs> um, <laughs> so your uh, first question mm-hmm. is your what are your top three desert island discs? Okay, I've thought a lot about this because I knew this was coming and <laughs> Sam did ask me the other day as well. So I was like, oh God. So I was thinking about all my favourite albums in my life and the albums that I listen to repeatedly no matter what really. One of them being... Avril Lavigne, Let Go. <gasps> I just love that choice. Incredible oh album. Oh my god! And I think that might just have to be one of them, because I listened to it so much as a child. Like I grew up listening to her, and just she was my idol. And actually, my brothers, horrible as they were at the time, to like probably ten year old me, told me that uh, she had brain cancer and she was gonna die. And I was distraught. I was distraught. I was like, she can't die. Then I'll die. (laughs) This can't happen. (laughs) Like, I like it freaks me out how much me and you have in common. That album was like my life when I was a teenager. Like, I still listen to it, and it gives me like shivers, and I know all the words. Like. So I think so much of my like memory problems is because I just have lots of Avril Lavigne lyrics in my head, <laughs> and like stuff that's actually useful has just been pushed out because yeah, it's so embedded. So much more important. So I think that has to be one of them. Love it. Yeah, I just I re-listen to it and I'm just like timeless, a timeless Absolute. piece, <laughs> timeless classic. Yeah. Chuck it next to Mozart. Um. So then I think number two, pretty different. Um is anything by who's the film composer thomas newman Mm. music for american beauty finding nemo films like that Mm. series of unfortunate events the music is just theatrical as is you cannot be watching the film and listen to the music and it's just so stunning and like i think I'm not one for composers massively. I grew up listening to a lot of classic FM because my parents just had it on constantly. And I never really picked up. I I listened to like a few things that, oh yeah, I kind of like this one, but it's a more like modern composer and it's film music and I watch so many, so many films. And it's just, oh, it just hits you right in the heart. Mm. And it's just the most fantastic music. So I think... He probably has some kind of best hits, soundtrack hits, you know. There's got to be, like, music in there for every emotion that you're feeling. Yeah. And I I think, as um, Ibi said, no one listens to albums, like, all the way through, really. It's... A lot of it is on Spotify, so you kind of dip in and out of albums. But I know that he's got some kind of multi-film album on Spotify, at least, so... That's one of them. <laughs> and I think my final one, I actually can't remember the album title, but it's his first album um, by an artist called Natty, who is a sort of acoustic reggae um, artist. And I first, I think I first heard his music, probably someone sent me like a song through MSN or something. Um, I think... Probably the first song that I heard and a lot of people was Bedroom Eyes. And it's just such a beautiful acoustic 
like just I think it's just based on like oh just just come home so I can hold you kind of thing and all of his music is just so powerful and uplifting and it literally like it, it fizzes me like it gives me a fizz mm. inside my body and not in a bad way um, <laughs> not like a, an infection <laughs> um, Uh, so I, can't, I actually can't remember what it's called but I I bought it in one of those like little paper envelopes that's in the plastic like CD envelope kind of thing mm. from when I first saw him live and I've actually met him as well uh, at a gig I went to in Exeter and I'm just still obsessed every, every album, single demo that he brings out I'm just like just blown away and it's just it's fully like grounds me his music so anything like that you just want to listen to chill but also have good vibes mm. listen to natty that's what i love about music is like it, it, you have such an emotional connection to yeah, so much music and it has so much power to change yeah. your mood and like so much and yeah. i think specifically with natty i had broken up with an old boyfriend and I was just heartbroken and he was playing an extra and I was like oh I don't I don't know like none of my friends really listen to him and I don't I really 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 want to go but like do I go on my own and I decided to go on my own after work I stayed at a, a B&B in extra and went back to work the next morning and it was like the first gig I'd ever been to by myself and I just took it all in and it was just amazing. Like wow. I just, it was weird because you, you're not there kind of chatting to friends and sort of catching up and I was just fully like engrossed in it because that was what I was there for. And I was like, I don't really give a shit what people like, if they see me just staring at him like, <laughs> on the stage, like bobbing my head, like meh. Cause that's, I'm just, I'm here to listen. I've never done it. that. That's something you and Jorge have in oh. common. Like Jorge goes to gigs all the time on his own. I've never done that before. I would recommend doing anything on your own. Like having having the ability to do things on your own. If someone doesn't want to do something that, that you really want to do, just go and do it. Like I've been to see films on my own that Sam doesn't specifically want to see. And I'm like, that's okay. I'll go and see it. And you still have such a great time because you're doing you're seeing it but also like you can get the snacks that you want you can like do it your way and that's really nice yeah so that's yeah. a really good I'm an advocate for like awesome. doing things on your own even like going to a restaurant on your own like just do it take a book take, listen to a podcast this one <laughs> just, wink you know <laughs> I've never, do I, I don't do anything on my own. I, that's something I really need to do. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I, I really envy people who can do that easily. I think, like, actually, it's something you just need to go and do because you will just think, like, oh, God, like, people are looking. Like, no, they don't give a shit. If people, mm. Like, people aren't looking. Like, and actually, I think I looked around and probably saw a couple of other people on their own and I was like, yeah, like, at the cinema just why why not if mm. it's a film you want to see you would watch it at home mm -hmm. 
you know, you would just put it on and watch it if it was just you. So it's so true. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. If you wanted a meal at home, but no one else wanted it, you would still eat it. Mm-hmm. So, like, go to a restaurant that you want to, like, whatever. Love that. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just, like, do it. <laughs> uh, what are your three favourite films? Oh, man. Again, I've had a little bit of thought, but I only really thought of one because I know it's definitely definitely one of one of my favorites it's not like a top favorite but Sweeney Todd the demon barber with Johnny Depp oh I love it I've only ever seen that once I need to see that again oh my gosh I just I know it's like a very sort of gruesome story and it is like a penny dreadful kind of thing but oh it makes me so happy I just (laughs) love it and I'm dying to see the theatre production of Sweeney Todd. Oh, wow. Like, my granddad's seen it, and he's, he really enjoyed it. And How cool. Just that, that whole different aspect of it, um, of the kind of theatrical bit, rather than just watching Johnny Depp do mm. his thing. I mean, <laughs> he is fantastic in it anyway, but yeah. That's one of them. Nice. Good choice. Um... Number two. Oh, okay. It has to be. Has to be Shaun of the Dead. Excellent also, choice. Like, I just I could watch it over and over. I could literally finish the film and then watch it from the beginning again. <laughs> I quote it constantly, even though people probably will not understand it at all. <laughs> but it's just, it's just like horror comedy at its best. It is fantastic. And I recently watched a um like a documentary series on Amazon Prime about um horror films and kind of talking about the history of them and stuff and they did mention Shaun of the Dead and I was like, Oh wow, like it's really kind of a something new, like it's almost like a new genre, like I think they described it as like Zomcom, like zombie comedy. Mm-hmm. It's just like oh, it's great. <laughs> Love it. Um, final one. Hmm. I'll probably think of, like, another one or another two that I actually like more than these, but these are the ones that are popping into my brain. Um, Chocolat. Oh! Also with Johnny Depp. Another Johnny Depp, yeah. As you can tell, I kind of quite like Johnny Depp. <laughs> I mean, he's a bit of a... Bit, gone a bit... Off, off the, the rails at the moment. <laughs> But as an actor, he is fantastic. And, yeah, love the music in it. The whole story is just wonderful. And chocolate is good. <laughs> it's a perfect... That's, like, all the reason you need yeah. chocolate is good. Mm-hmm. Chocolate is good. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Like, I remember watching it growing up. And, like, yeah, it's a good film. But then you think, like, actually what they're doing in the film is... The whole premise is they've moved into a very... Excuse me, I'm eating a cookie. <laughs> they moved into a very Catholic French town and it's a very sort of law-abiding, church-going um, population and they open up a chocolate shop in the middle of Lent and it's like, God, like how dare they? And so they're basically trying to boycott this chocolate shop. Right. And like this single mum with her child is just not giving up like, and it's just fantastic. Mm. It's just such a great film. 
It's really, those are really interesting choices because like the first two are taking sort of, I guess like quite gory, violent, sort of scary things and making them funny. Mm -hmm. And... And that one's quite a real... Yeah. That's a... Yeah. Yeah. I find that a lot of the stuff I like, it's finding the good and the funny in, you know, not funny good things like I'm really intrigued with anything to do with like death and anatomy and just science in general like Mm. and just any like crime stories I'm just obsessed with and it's just so interesting and I think by learning about it and like you can make it less scary right so yeah, you break down the fear by learning mm. about something. Yeah, That's... I used to hate horror films. I used to be like genuinely terrified, and then just at some point it was like something clicked, mm. and then I was just obsessed with them. And it was it was it's almost really like really comforting horror films, which so, like, I know is like. This sounds like really weird, but like, did the moment that that happened, did that like correlate at all with working? Because working in healthcare must give you a completely different, like, perspective mm. on on sort of violence and and death and... I don't... I think it actually correlated with my mental health. Mm. Because I remember someone saying that people who are so scared of horror films and things is because they have a very active imagination and that active active medication active imagination can lead to anxiety and depression so that was already there and then my like my imagination was also just linking to that horror film and just yeah so then I think when I started to get better it was like oh actually like I can control this I can control my imagination Mm. So that's where I think it sort of linked in. But that's then I think that's probably at that point then I thought oh that's it's it's actually interesting and probably that's when I started to take more of a sort of sciency route. That's kind of a really really interesting way to think about it because mm. like if you're if you're sort of struggling with your mental health the last thing you want is to kind of add factors that are, are stress stress yeah. inducing or kind of cause fear I think especially at a young age because stuff is so scary and um, you don't understand why people do things you know like even just watching the news sometimes was terrifying Mm. and it's because you don't understand how why people do it and you know what are the consequences and how we can control that and stuff and then actually as you learn like yeah it's it's not nice but I can also control it and Mm -hmm. I can have a degree of sort of power over how I take this yeah yeah I I didn't I've never sort of thought about it up until someone said kind of made that correlation between scary movies I think it was actually my mum that said it and it makes so much sense just kind of like clicked and you're like oh yeah wow it makes so much sense because anxiety is all about overthinking 
Mm. And when you watch horror films, like when you finish watching it, you're overthinking. You think everything's, you know, going to jump out at you. You or, you know, it's just terrifying. Yeah. So, that's. It's really interesting. So much sense. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm. What is your party trick? Oh man. I did actually think about this. Um, so no matter how drunk I am, if someone needs help, like medical attention, I will sober up. Instantly. Really? Yeah. I remember running out of the club, heels, I, don't, I hate wearing heels, they're so uncomfortable. And I saw someone like lying in the street and instantly me and my friends, nurses as well, ran over. Are you okay? Like trying to wake them up, like getting a bit of water, sitting them up, like just assessing them. Mm. Just bam. Like, wow. Yeah. Which is kind of hopeful because it's like, oh, I can still help myself even no matter how many shots I've had. Does that mean that you don't get the hangover in the the morning as well? Oh, I do. (laughs) It doesn't help me. It helps other people. (laughs) Well, that sucks. Yeah, I know. But I guess I'm quite a useful person to have around, like, if you're drinking. Yeah, you're like the designated first aider, but who can actually drink. But we'll still have fun with you. It's fine. (laughs) The drunk doctor. (laughs) When did you last cry? Um... Literally earlier on, uh, as I uh, told you, we started watching Queer Eye, and we watched one of the series two episodes, and it's just, I think what's really overwhelming, like, part of it is that they're all so great at their jobs. Yeah. Like, and how personal they make every aspect of work that they do to the person that they're, they're working on. Mm-hmm. And... They, just, they can just completely change someone's outlook on life. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. They're not just five gay guys, like, walking in and, oh, you should wear that because that doesn't go. It's, they're really, like, they really care. And it's just, whew, They are just 10 out of 10. Your kindness yeah. and love and, yeah, that and is a, that is a good sense. Like, just so flexible. <laughs> I think he's the most flexible person with a beard. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> How? He just yeah. flips his leg and it's like, woo. He must be a fireball in bed. He <laughs> probably is. I mean, <laughs> look at him on telly. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your favourite place in the world? It's hard to say because I've only really been there a couple of times back to Canada. But going back there, it feels like home. It feels like right to be there. Do you always go back to the same place? No, so we've been back... um, I've been back once to where we used to live. Mm -hmm. And we actually kind of did a little tour of the houses that we used to live there, which was lovely. And then we also went back to um, the west coast, Vancouver, which we didn't live on, but we had some friends nearby. So, Mm -hmm. But it just always feels... I don't know if it's the aspect of we have friends over there or people are so friendly that it's just like oh. it's and it's not one particular place it's more like this is this is home obviously Bristol in mainly Bristol is home I would say back home in Devon would be home but mm-hmm. 
it also brings back a lot of memories of being very sad and unfree and just stuck. Mm-hmm. So as much as I like going back there now and not feeling like that, it's lovely and my, that's where my family are. Also, Bristol is where I am free, but I'm still close to my family and I have that that independence and confidence to kind of actually just be doing a job and being a real person rather than mm. a tiny, you know, little sad thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So then when you go back to Canada, you don't have, like, any of those negative feelings. It's just, like, pure kind of... It just... I mean, obviously, like, they're still there, but it just feels so... It just... It, it just feels like a second home. Mm. Like, if, if Bristol is my home now, then Canada like Nova Scotia would be second home it just yeah yeah it's, it's not like you get that thing when you go somewhere new and you just feels a bit weird and you have to get used to it like no it just feels there are definitely those places that you can yeah. go to and you just straight away get that home mm-hmm. feeling yeah and it's wonderful and I'm so keen to like go back and live there at mm. some point just knowing that my parents have done that at some point with three young children moving continent moving job like Okay, I can go and do that. Yeah. Let's makes yeah, it feel it. like more possible. Yeah, definitely. So where in the world would you most like to visit next? Oh anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> it's a weird question to ask when we're in lockdown. Yeah. But I guess take taking kind of the pandemic aside, like where would be your next destination? Um I have been watching a lot of van lifers just in the last sort of few years and that was kind of one of my dreams is to get a van and pimp it out and just drive around aimlessly around cool countries um but specifically one couple are stuck or were stuck in south america and sort of chile colombia ecuador area oh just it looks so vibrant and yeah, it just looks amazing and just so there's just so much like raw nature and yeah I'd love to go to somewhere in South America because it's also just so completely different to anywhere I've really been it's, it's nothing like Canada really it's nothing like Europe it's just yeah yeah so I'd love to go to somewhere in South America it would be awesome that's a great answer what makes you angry feel like I'm just continuing the trend but people (laughs) (laughs) despite the fact I work with people it's just it's mainly like ignorance and just thoughtlessness Mm. like how can you not have any thought for the people around you we are higher beings we have these amazing um these amazing brains that can do so many things and yet you can't think to care for that person next to you or you can't think of the consequences of your actions that you're doing it's just so it's just so lazy and I think that's probably what annoys me most and that is probably what's pissed me off the most throughout this whole pandemic Mm. it's just ignorance and thoughtlessness when people are just going out with their friends and you go to work the next day and someone has to choose who goes to ITU and it's like you have no idea 
the other side. So what's, what's ITU? ITU is intensive care, so right. basically where you go when you're really, really poorly. Um, <clears throat> and there's obviously there's limited spaces. Um, and saying if you have two people that need ITU care, and one of them is younger and probably has a better chance of surviving, and one of them is older, they'll most likely choose the younger person and just leave the, the older person to just kind of be supported with their symptoms but otherwise wouldn't have treatment. And it's just like your pint with a friend, your, your house party, your went to see your boyfriend after two weeks. You know, this is nothing. We are literally being asked to stay in our houses, wear masks, stay at a safe distance. It is not hard. We're not being asked to go to war, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's more the people being told what to do is the mm. main issue that people have with it, which is just like... Yeah. Get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Come on. Come on now. What are you reading right now? Oh. I am reading... I don't... I used to read a lot, and... I stopped and now I've kind of identified that I really enjoy reading um, non-fiction books and I oh. am reading um, oh gosh I can't remember what it's called it's by a forensic pathologist I think it's called Unnatural Causes and it's got a blue cover and it's all about this guy's kind of um, career into forensic pathology through doing medicine and then just all of his cases and stuff and it's just so fascinating um and i've been to see a post-mortem before so i kind of have an idea of what they do Mm. and then it's just that job is just amazing because you're finding a cause of death or you're looking for something that could be so so tiny and insignificant to you know someone else it must take a very creative way of thinking. Mm. And it's made me yeah. realise, like, you saying all these things about kind of this need for, like, learning and sort of constantly feeding yourself new information. That shows in, like, all your hobbies as well. Mm. Like, sort of, even your more creative hobbies, like baking and sewing and and you're you're doing um, these, the stamp... What's yeah, it like, lino printing. Lino printing. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, super creative, which is in like comparison to your scientific side yeah but it's still in some way it does link yeah Yeah. and I think in some ways like you you have to be quite creative because no human body is the same no event of you know say a car crash it's never going to be the same exactly so Mm. you kind of have to roll with what you've got and you do have to be creative and but you also have to base it on your knowledge that you already have so yeah I'd say it's quite sort of half and half really mm-hmm. but but they really complement each other yeah it's that's really cool and it's really nice which Disney character are you most like and why oh man I don't know and I think you probably have better insight oh. <laughs> back to the question to you no <laughs> oh shit I wish I prepared <laughs> um uh, yeah I have no idea because mm. I don't think 
I don't know a lot of Disney characters and I also don't know them like well enough mm-hmm. to kind of yeah point them out to kind of associate yeah. with one or the other so yeah I'm gonna have a think about it okay uh, what is your favourite thing about yourself? Mm. I think it is probably I'm a very strong person not physically at all I am very strong and I've had to come over like a lot of stuff to be able to say that and to identify that I am and I think that's rather than giving me like a really thick skin and making me almost quite distant it's made me given me confidence to you know be really kind overly kind do really nice things for people that I don't know and Mm. and then you know just not overthink it because I think I always kind of had those thoughts before but I thought oh god no they'll think I'm really clingy or oh no like they won't like it blah 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 I was like no it's a nice thing to do and I want to do it so I'm gonna do it so and actually like identifying that people I could potentially be you know people could be in a worse place than me and they might just need that smile or that little bit of help so yeah I think that's my favourite thing. That's amazing. That is not an easy thing to do. Mm. It's been a hard time. Yeah. But yeah. Because you must have to do that just every day. and Yeah. And actually, sometimes you just really don't want to. Like, you could be looking after a horrible person. But man, like, you still have to, you still have to give them a wash. You still have to give them their medication. You still have to look after them as any other person and you also just have to kind of think well yeah maybe they are like maybe they've got some weird beliefs or you know um they just don't like you but they're still struggling with being in hospital and they still need the stuff so yeah 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 just amazing i i i i just can't I, I, the idea of going into medicine in the first place, I think is just, takes a specific kind of person who is just selfless in a way that is, um, I think probably quite difficult for a lot of people to relate to. And I think that's gotta be a big reason why people don't appreciate the, the NHS and what they have and the mm. access to these facilities that they have. Because I think it just all seems like one big system and they don't see the people mm. in the system who are And the I think a lot of the time people expect, you know, that it's all just expected that they bring you cups of tea and they give you your medications and it's like, you know, yes, I have to. I chose to be yeah. here. Like, I'm, I'm not... No one's but don't get me wrong, like, this. I still selfish and I still go to work and think I don't, I don't give a shit today but I still have to give a shit yeah so that's the difference I guess that's the difference 
Well, that was all of your quickfire questions. Whew! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so we'll get started on some questions. Mm-hmm. And this is... This has got to be a record of how many questions you've had. Oh my god. It's nuts. I'm so excited. Me too. You're so interested. So excited. So I'm going to start with a couple of questions from my mum. Mm-hmm. Who asks for your earliest memory. And... Yeah asks what kind of childhood did you have and I guess we've sort of touched on that a little bit with your the short life story you gave a little bit yeah um so my earliest memory I don't think it was a very nice one like I think it was me vomiting actually on a boat because (laughs) my dad was an avid sailor as well as used to be in the navy so um yeah I think it was vomiting raspberries on a boat I have no idea how old I was. I could have been maybe about four. I love that you remember it was raspberries. It was very weird. (laughs) That sounds terrifying. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why that memory, and actually like everything around it is incredibly foggy, but... That moment. Yeah. Pops up. Wow, what a beautiful memory. I know. (laughs) So lovely. (laughs) Um, she also asks, you've said you have two brothers, mm-hmm. she asked if you had any siblings, um, but she asks, if you do, how do you get on with them? Oh, this is such an interesting question because our relationships have changed so much just growing up. So when I was really young, I had a really happy childhood and then kind of going into secondary school age, um, puberty time, or oh, it's a fun time for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, just I was very sad and my brothers didn't always appreciate it and actually sometimes they're kind of joking around and fun that I'd always been used to growing up actually started to like hit certain places and thought it just kind of made me think like I'm just not good enough and whatever and so Mm. then I kind of start to think maybe we don't you know we don't get on that well and at times on their own they could be wonderful together oh my gosh they're like thick as thieves like and even now we'll go back home and they just revert to being like kids and I'm just like okay I'm staying away (laughs) just yeah but um I get along with both of them really well um one of my brothers has now moved to New York um which is just a infinitely hard time to move because he's started a God, new job yeah. and he's moved away from his family in the middle of a pandemic. That must have new... happened like just before, right? Yeah, so it was um, late February. Oh my God. So literally just before lockdown. Um, so yeah, I get on with him really, really well. Um, we just talk about everything and it's lovely. Uh, and my eldest, eldest brother, so he is... 29, 28, 29, mm-hmm. can't remember, because he's December and I'm May, so it's a bit of difference, but right. um, yeah, we get on really well, he just married a amazing girl, lady, back in February, and he's given me a sister, and it's just so lovely, Aww. I always, growing up, I thought, oh, I just want a sister, I want someone to chat to, and steal clothes from, and, and like, now I have a sister and she's just amazing and I think 
Jesus Christ, how did you get her? You are so lucky. <laughs> because growing up, you were how a little did you do that? <laughs> so, yeah. But we, I think we're also incredibly similar, me and Ben, in that we're very stubborn and um, we both like to be right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was always really hard growing up. Yeah, that's because it just friction. feels like wow, you're just constantly overspoken. Mm. But now it's really interesting because now I'm in medicine and nursing. He comes to me for some questions and some advice, and it's like oh, oh and you can lord it over, be like oh, <laughs> which I love, and I love that he feels like he can do that. Yeah, that's really so, nice. Yeah. It's great you've got a sister now, and you've like oh. you're equal. Yeah. Ready for battle. Yeah, it's so nice. It's so nice. That's ace. My friend Stella, Stella. who is one of the honeys, she asks an excellent question. So hers is two part as well. So Uh she says, if you could be any animal, what would you be? And then the second part of the question is, what would your Patronus be? Oh, man. So I don't know if they'd be the same answer or if they would be, like, separate. But I thought those were excellent questions. I think they probably might be the same. Mm Mm-hmm. I love raccoons. Aww. (laughs) They're little trash babies and they're just (laughs) the cutest. They're so naughty, but they're just so childishly wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just think of myself as pretty much a big kid with a degree and <laughs> an NHS badge that I can go and do my job which is crazy um yeah plus they're just so cute they're so they're cute. little hands <laughs> they little trash <laughs> that's such a good answer I always said to Jorge have you ever seen have you seen his dark materials or read his dark materials I've heard of it so they've in in the the world of dark materials people have demons mm-hmm. um spelt d-a-e-m-o-n-s um and they're basically the their soul in an animal that mm-hmm. is constantly like with them yeah um and i've always said to jorge that his demon would be a raccoon oh so that's a great a great yeah. answer because they're very uh resourceful so resourceful and, and very like, intelligent. They're also very good at living alongside... Like, they are wild animals, but also they just take what they can get, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, there's a big bin over there. I'm just going to go and get my lunch. Yeah. But I'm also just going to go live in a tree over there. Like, just <laughs> make the most of it. And you know? can't shout at them because they're too cute. They're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Alice, who is another honey, Hi. has asked you a couple of questions. This is an excellent question. So I mentioned that you're a cat mama. Uh-huh. You have a son called Mouse. He's a big boy. <laughs> Alice asks, what's the best thing your cat does? Oh my God, he literally did the funniest thing last night. So we've got these big sofa cushions that are like, they're more like throw, throw cushions, but they okay. are the back sofa cushions. And we had two stacked um, on the floor in front of the fireplace. And he kind of like got up on them and they wobbled a bit and he was like, whoa, whoa, just trying to find his balance. And then he kind of settled down and he like tucks his little arms under us and he gets down and like, like a little baked potato. <laughs> and then I just heard this like, whoop. <laughs> he rolled off 
the cushions. Like, he was must have no. fast asleep and just <laughs> fell off. He's just so funny. He's so... He's just got so much character. And he is, like, he's 13, so he's he's an old man. He's an old man. But he's very well. He's very chunky. <laughs> and he, at times, he's like, no, get away from me. I don't want touches. Like, I'll just be, like, my face in his, like, in his head. And he'll just be like, fuck <laughs> off, please. But in the morning, he just wants cuddles. And it's like, oh. Aww. He has this really, like, lovely bit of both. In terms he's of a morning person. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he wants his breakfast, but he's just oh, he just does some really hilarious things. He cracks me up so much. Becky sent me a picture the other night of Mouse sat like. How would you how would you describe that? Just like sat like a teddy bear. Yeah, like with his legs out. legs directly out, and then paws in between them with his big like furry belly, <laughs> just looking up like what. <laughs> What's wrong? Just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Another day. Another day here. I'm still here. <laughs> um, Alice also asks, "What's your favourite meal you've ever had?" Oh, damn. Hmm, that's such a hard question. Hmm. Hmm. I can't think... I can think of, like, a few specifically. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh, my favourite burger or, like, my favourite this or that. Yeah. I love Mexican food. So any Mexican meal, really, is just, like... You, if you say feast. that a little bit louder, I don't think Jorge heard you in the kitchen. <laughs> I love Mexican food. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just so good. And I love meals with lots of different aspects to it like you've got rice you've got like a wrap with whatever like veg and cheese and then like refried beans oh god that's such a yeah that i I never put those two together that because you're vegetarian Mm -hmm. so a lot of mexican food can be vegetarian very easily so yeah it makes but it's still like so much flavor yeah that makes so much sense that that would be Mm, your favorite i just think it's so tasty and and even like i'm such a pudding person Churros. I'm a pudding person. I'm a pudding. I am a pudding. <laughs> like churros are one of my favourite things. Mm. I love churros. So. Oh, churros. Yeah. We had these churros in Mexico where, um, you know, they're hollow inside. Uh-huh. They would take the big churro and then just like pour whatever sauce you wanted into the middle. Like a, like a little cup. Yeah. That's amazing. And then you just shot it. No, you don't. But you like you chew it. And <laughs> Definitely like, oh. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a sword swallower. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> With a really loud swallow at the end. That <laughs> <laughs> sounded like a cartoon. <laughs> so our next question question is from Stella again. Hello. Hello, Stella. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Poppy. <laughs> Hello, Poppy. She says, what's the weirdest fact you know? Which is great, considering what you were saying, mm. that you, you end up with lots of crazy mm. facts in your head. Weird facts? Mm. Mm. Um, one of my like, favourite, really interesting facts that I can't believe I've never thought about. So mammals, their number in their litter that they have is um 
equivalent to half the number of nipples that they have. What? Yeah, so say a pig has, I don't know, eight. Yeah. They'll generally have four in their litter. Humans, two, so they'll have generally one. (gasps) I think that's just like... Why? That's evolution, man. Why? So cool. Is it so that they can, like, swap? Maybe. Eat, like, that like, would make even sense, it up. wouldn't it? And I guess a pig can only lie on one side. Yeah. And if they had eight, there would be some, like, lying on them. Mm. Trying to... Doesn't that make so much sense? That's, that's such one of my favourite facts, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's blown my mind. Mm-hmm. There you go, Stella. Learn something new every day. Every day's learning day. <laughs> My dad, hello, hello, dad, um, has said, "What is it about horror films you especially enjoy, and which one is your favourite?" Oh man, um, hmm. So you explained a little bit about when you started liking horror, and that you like the the idea of putting pieces together right like it's Mm. it's the sort of um it's the learning aspect of it right or is that not quite yeah I think it's more like like watching something and really like learning more about yourself because you can watch it and not be scared Mm. so I remember watching um Woman in Black in a cinema and 90% 90% of the film I spent with my hands over my eyes and I was like wow that was the biggest £7 waste of my <laughs> life never going to see that again <laughs> but then later on I like rewatched it when I was more like comfortable like at home blankies teddy comfy blankies um, and what? teddy teddy little, little. I thought you said titty. <laughs> <laughs> little titty on the side and you pointed there as well <laughs> I was like why was it not with you in the cinema? <laughs> Oh, that wasn't my comfort titty. That was just my cinema titty. <laughs> that was my going out titty. <laughs> Not as casual. Um, so, like, yeah, when you can watch something in your own comfortable environment, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, like, watch the bits that I found really scary. And then you're like, oh, it's not actually as scary. And I think it's more learning about fear in general. Mm. That fear is what you make of it and actually it's the fear of fear that is stopping you from from closing your eyes at that particular bit or it's not actually what you're going to see because you can you can rationalize mm. what you're going to see in some cases you know even if it's it's a ghost uh. but <laughs> you know you can you know once you see it you can kind of learn about that so yeah i think that's it um, I don't know how that correlates to my favourite films because I lo- watch a lot of really crappy horror films but I just find that quite nice. Yeah. And then other times I'll just watch a really good one and it's... They are quite few and far between, I think. Um, especially when you just watch them on like Netflix and stuff. But my favourite one... I think had to be classic Science of the Lambs. Yes. Honestly, That's I think first time I watched that, it's just wonderful. And um, Hannibal Lecter's character is just 
the epitome of like psychopath. Mm. How he's so charming, and yet he's just so like disgusting. And it's just yeah, mm. I just love it. Mm. And general that that whole like series of films really, I think Red Dragon is mm-hmm. also great. Um, what the fuck are you doing? Boo boo. So sorry. <laughs> Boy, he just tried to very gently take his laptop out of the room. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so either that or The Shining, I also love. They're like and both classics. classics. Yeah, I love the classics because they're not remakes, they're not remakes of ideas, they are the original ideas. Mm. Um, and a lot of horror films now are we're going to redo this film or we're going to redo the idea of that and it's just the, basically the same thing and it's it's just the originality and the fact that it was all makeup and acting and mm. it wasn't kind of it wasn't all about the kind of relationships between the people and things and the world is against us yeah someone's just letting off fireworks when it's kind of still light outside yeah, 4th of July! Nobody's free! <laughs> Freedom isn't free. <laughs> Stop oh, it. Seriously. This is not the time. 4th of July. Yeah, right. Yeah. Murder. Like, who does that in the UK? I know. Honestly, Get we've got a fireworks yourself. day. Just save it for them. Yeah, you, you've got your day. <laughs> It's not about you. You've got a day literally for pyrotechnics. Like, <laughs> chill out. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, the next question's from Imi. Hi, Imi. Hello, Imogen. Hello. Imogen Caskey. Imogen Grace Wadley Caskey. Wadley? Wadley. That's my mum's surname. <gasps> oh. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Where did you get the pom-poms and Totoro on your door? (laughs) Um, So the pom-poms I made, um, I have a special little pom-pom maker, which is just like a wire frame. (laughs) Which is me. (laughs) I just wrap it around myself. I'm a special little pom-pom maker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the Totoro is actually Sam's. He gave it to me. Um, And I used to have it hanging in my car until my car died. Um, But yeah, I was kind of going through like, my car bag that basically where my car was going to be um what's the word made into a cube made into a little tiny metal cube <laughs> my friend had to like grab everything out of my car and just shove it in a bag i hadn't touched it for ages and i found it and i was like oh it's so cute that would look really nice like it's hanging up somewhere and I just put it on the front door i love it every time i come into the house it's the first thing i see because your door is right in front of it yeah like when you walk in yeah it's like, guys, ah, it's so cute. Amy asks what your favourite uh, Studio Ghibli film is as well. Oh man, um, I think it's probably um, House Moving Castle. Oh, interesting choice. Why, why that one? I just think the like little grandma character in it is just so cute. Like, she's just adorable, and how she calls the little scarecrow turnip head. And, oh. <laughs> So you watch? Do you watch the dubbed version or the? I think I watched. I think I watched the dubbed version. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. 
probably the dubbed, to be honest. I found with Ghibli, I don't know if you're the same, but I find whichever you watch it in first, that's the one you end up sticking mm. with. So the ones that you end up watching in Japanese first, yeah. if you try and watch it dubbed, it doesn't sound right. Yeah. Can you not? Uh, my friend Kim, who is also a honey, hi honey, hi honey, uh, says, "What was your first impression of your partner Sam, and how has that changed in the time you've known each other?" Oh, so we met on Tumblr, which, if anyone doesn't know, it's a blogging platform for angsty teenagers, really. Um, and you just kind of uh, reblog photos and things and you can make your blog all look nice but you don't really actually have any you're not actually writing a blog so yeah I'd followed him on there for a while and I just thought he was really cool and he had like nice tattoos and he seemed really friendly and I sent him a message like oh can I I think it was like can I get your snapchat because snapchat was a thing it's not really a thing anymore um and he was like yeah of course and I was like oh so nice and I was just like oh he just seemed nice like let's just chat he seemed really friendly um and we ended up like snapchatting back and forth for like days and then we were like texting and then skyping and we would like watch films together on skype and like just talk for ages and we would just like text and chat until like three, four in the morning. Um, so you was this when you were in Devon? This was when I was in Devon, yeah. And when, where and was Sam? Sam was in Southampton when okay. he was at uni. So then probably about two, three weeks after we started talking, I went to see him in Southampton. Um, and it was just a classic kind of like, you'd been talking... Uh, online for a while uh, but you hadn't really met in person so it was kind of like awkward but it was just so nice and we got on like just so well Um, and yeah and since then uh, he's partly as cool and also definitely not as cool as I thought he was (laughs) he probably thinks exactly the same as me (laughs) Um, and he's also just my best friend and Mm. having someone where you're like equal part, um, like partners, but also just best friends is just like amazing. I will pop a like ugly belly laugh with him (laughs) and we'll talk about just everything and... Yeah, just great. He must be so. The times that we've hung out, he's he's been such a like, he's been such a calming presence mm. and just a real sort of. Just a, yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Just a real calm. Yeah, and that must is. be such a wonderful environment to come home to. Mm. Um, each day is just having someone who just brings that peace and calmness yeah. to. Like, so so often he'll just have, like, a funny video to show me or, like, a funny story. Or, like, oh, Mouse did this today. Or, like, 
and it'll just there's just always this like this humor no matter what like it's everything's just there's something funny and there's something good and yeah Thomas brings um, such a perfect balance yeah and her. and like you say he is calm and he's not the person to be like in the limelight in the you know center of attention but you know like he deserves to be because he's just like wonderful but you know he he just is very like humble and mm. he's hilarious I love him. <laughs> um, okay. Talking of Sam, ah. he has left you a massage. Oh. Um, he says, Becky is obsessed with endlessly scrolling through social media apps. Oh, don't out me like this. So I ask her this. Becky, if you had to choose one single person or account to follow across all social media outlets then who would that person be and why? Holy moly, that's such a good question. Oof. Um, one that springs to mind is um, an activist called Gina Martin. Mm-hmm. She is in her like mid-twenties, she lives in London. She um, fought for the law to be changed against upskirting, which is taking pictures of um, people, like, from below without them knowing. Um, It happened to her, I think, at a festival. And she fought really, really hard for almost two years to make that illegal. And she's, despite being in Parliament and kind of doing such a massive thing there, she's just fighting for what she thinks is right and doing she is making such a change with what she can do and she's written a book um she's also just such a colorful person and she's got she's just so insightful and yeah i completely believe that if you follow people on social media that don't make you feel good and they don't make you doubt yourself then unfollow them social media is meant to be a good and positive platform and it shouldn't be making you feel bad about yourself in any way so it's research sam it's helping me (laughs) (laughs) that's so true like it's it's got such a potential to be a space for like learning and growing and sharing it's incredibly resourceful yeah it's so resourceful and actually through this whole um blm movement i've learned a lot about white privilege and not that I didn't believe it before, but I didn't realise it had a name. Yeah. And actually, you know, this is an ongoing thing and a lot of systems are just inherently racist by how they've been built up and who they've been built up by. And mm. yeah, I, it's, it is a learning platform. And again, unless you're not learning stuff from it, Get rid of it. Yeah. Like, I'm all about the learning. It's got to be, it's got to be adding something positive to your yeah. life to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Because if it's not, then what's it doing? Yeah. That's it's... a, that's a great choice. I, and it, it appeals to your love of learning as mm. well. Where, what platform would it be on? Um, probably Instagram. So at the moment during all this pandemic, she posts these daily vitamin positivity videos, which I've told you about before. And they are basically just, 
selected TikToks of wonderful, positive, lovely, funny things that me and Sam will watch together and I'll say, are you ready for your vitamin P? And we'll just sit down for like 10 minutes and just watch these videos and it's just so lovely. Um, and just the fact that she takes the time to do that is just wonderful. That's really cool. What was her name again? Gina Martin. Gina Martin. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to look her up. Mm. My mum says... Um, so before this podcast, I asked you to put together a short um, sort of description about, about you. Mm-hmm. And in that description, you talked about the importance of kindness to you. Mm-hmm. And mum says, tell me more about the importance of kindness in your life. Um... I just think that kindness is something so, so powerful and it is free. Like, it's the renewable energy of emotions. Um, I think when I was younger, I didn't feel that a lot of people were overly or outwardly kind. And I think actually maybe when I was younger, if more people were like that then I might have not felt so alone and awful but you know teenagers uh, teenagers you know Mm. it's gonna happen and you will have people who suffer from mental health issues so I have just learned from that that kindness can mean everything to someone and the littlest thing especially like just in nursing the littlest thing like brushing someone's hair, washing someone's hair, or getting them a cup of tea. Something so simple like that can make their experience and their mood just elevate. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's free. It's literally free. Why wouldn't you be kind? It, and it makes you feel so good because mm. you've made someone feel better yeah by from whatever they were feeling before yeah that's really beautiful i love that answer um on that strand stella again stella you are just smashing through the questions today stella a toi. stella a toi. stella's got a great cat as well oh it's it's zazu zazu that's what an, an amazing name. name yeah zazu um, she says, um, what's the kindest thing that someone has ever done to or for you or for someone that you know? I'd have to say, um, so, again, when I was younger, I was very sad. And I think my mum found it quite scary. She had brought up two boys with little, you know, little to no issues and then bam she's got an angsty young teen with multiple issues and she just did not know how to deal with it and later on I saw that she'd actually bought books and things to read up about how to deal with me and she would always be with me going to appointments and meetings and we'd go to like parent child meetings together you know like um appointments together and she's just always there doing whatever she can and i just think that's so 
she she could think god this is just overwhelming it's your issue you'll you know but she really just she really wanted to to help and it's just it's so lovely oh, it's beautiful i that really rings true for me as well and i hope you don't mind me saying this and if you'd rather not i put this in i can edit it out um, but something else that we have in common is that we both um, have had or are suffering from ME. Mm-hmm. And that alone comes across, com- comes along with a lot of appointments, a lot of trying to figure out what is actually going on and ruling out loads of other scary stuff mm. and being diagnosed with something that is so kind of unknown and yeah. really difficult to treat. As a parent, that must be so heartbreakingly difficult Mm. to go through with your child and the fact that I as as my mum was and as you're saying you like your mum was kind of would go with you for all of this and and just sort of stand by you Mm. and be that kind of support for you she yeah she she did so much that probably at the time I didn't appreciate and looking back, you know, I'd be having a horrible day and she'd be like, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do, go and do this. I'll make you a cup of tea. Like she would be like, right, this is the plan. And I'd be like, oh God, no, like I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. But she was like, no, you're going to do it because it's going to help you. And she did make me do it. And it did make me feel, even if it was just a tiny bit better, like she made me do it. And she was caring and yeah, I think understanding something that you don't understand because you love someone is such a that's such a powerful kindness that you can do absolutely even if like you just don't think it's you don't understand you know whatever regardless like just how can you help how can you support that's That's nice aren't mums just fucking amazing I miss her so much god I bet Stella again, <laughs> and it's not even her last question. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. It's so interesting. <laughs> she says, um, "Why did you choose to move to Bristol?" Hmm. Um. So my dad uh, works in Bristol. Um. He works up in Filton. Um. So it was always kind of a city that was far enough away to have some sort of freedom and be like, oh, I'm not anywhere near my family and stuff. But also it felt equally as close that I could pop home for the weekend for uni and stuff. And um, my dad knew it and I've been, I've been there a couple of times before. Um, and yeah, I just, from Exeter, obviously I had Plymouth as one of my uni choices, which... Eh. No. <laughs> and then Bristol, I was like, no, I've you know I've heard nice things about Bristol, and my dad works there, and um, and then subsequently, um, both my brothers ended up moving to sort of surrounding Bristol area, so we've all kind mm. of moved Stayed slightly southwesty. Yeah. So um. Yeah, it's it was kind of interesting because obviously at uni you're like, oh, I just want to get away, but then it's just like, oh, they just followed me anyway. <laughs> Annoying little ducklings. <laughs> 
Um, on Bristol, mm. um, my friend Alice. I think has we had another comment. Have we had another one from Alice? Yeah, we had we had a couple from Alice already. Ah. Alice is like in the race. So I think Alice might beat Stella with the questions. Oh man. Um, she says, "What was your first impression of Bristol um, when you moved here?" So maybe not. Um, like the first, when, first yeah, time. the first first time, but kind of being here as a resident. Um, what was your first impression? Um, what's your favourite thing about it, and what's your least favourite thing about it? Um, wow, I don't know. I think because I already had an idea of what it was like from visiting a few times. You know, I'd been to cribs and things, and um, living here. It just it felt it felt very like creative and sort of set up for young people in general. Um, I lived on campus at French A, so in a lot of ways I was quite sheltered from Bristol living. But um, yeah, I think and that's probably one of my favorite things is that it's so creative. You can go out, obviously not right now. But you can go out any night of the week. Don't go out, everyone. <laughs> Stay at home. Stay at home. Don't listen to Bojo. <laughs> um, you can go out any night of the week, and you can go to a great restaurant or a great gig or, you know, a great movie. Or there's just something going on constantly, mm. and it's like this subtle, like it's not like really loud. It's just this kind of subtle hum of creativity constantly, and there are so many artists in Bristol, and it's just. You can go places and see these little aspects of it. It's just wonderful. And um, I just think people are so nice. Generally, I obviously, I've met a lot of Bristol people from my job. And it's just such a friendly, community-driven city. And that's really nice. I love that. Everyone who's listening who is a Bristolian, it's just like... Plus, I can do quite a good Bristol accent sometimes. (gasps) I'm not going to do it, but. Do you want some more wine? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll just burst it out in like maybe 10 minutes. Okay, okay, I'll prepare myself. Um, So, getting on to your career Mm -hmm. um, in nursing, you've told us a little bit already about what made you want to go into sort of a role where you're you're caring and healing um Stella again here we go Stella Stella it's your last one um what made you want to become a nurse god I don't know and actually it was kind of a happy accident because I initially applied to be a midwife um, but the college that I was at didn't tell me really about applications for uni and some a lot of my midwifery applications were denied because I'd applied for nursing and midwifery in the same one. So it was like, that's uh, oh, out. No way. And I ended up with um, uh, an offer from UE for nursing and I was like, well, okay, <laughs> let's do it. Um and just work, working as an HCA, like, I really enjoyed that, but I'd always just, like, look up and think, like, God, I wish I could do the 
things that the nurses are doing. I just mm. I want to be able to take bloods and boring stuff that I, you know, don't really enjoy doing now, but it's part of the job. And um, again, I think I can't say I've like met a lot of specific nurses that say I've looked after my mum when she's been in hospital and things, but knowing that my mum was being looked after by people who really cared about her. Mm-hmm. That thought was so settling. So comforting. So I think, actually, being one of those people that can settle someone's mind when their loved one is in hospital or whatever, it's just, yeah, that's a great thing. Yeah. So. And you get to see gross blood and stuff. <laughs> you can see blood and guts and poop. Getting <laughs> <laughs> poop and shit and fart. <laughs> um, the next question is the next couple of questions are from Alice, and Alice was actually a healthcare assistant oh, as well. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so she's she's an actress, and she or actor, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she works at We the Curious at the moment. Um, but yeah, she did healthcare assisting for a while. Um, she said, "Was there a particular moment that made you want to go into nursing? Kind of on the same on the same strand as Stella, um, or if there wasn't, have you had a moment since that's made you glad you have chosen this career?" Oh, like every day. Um, I yeah, I can't really think of a specific moment, but it must have been at some point when I was working as an ACA and. I worked on a dementia and delirium ward back home, which is really hard, and I got hit by a lot of old people, which that can be surprisingly strong. Mm. So don't let them fool you. They can be feisty. <laughs> um, I just think having that patience, knowing I had that patience in me somewhere, was like, yeah, I can do this. And I, I, it was kind of being thrown in the deep end, Mm. doing stuff like that where you you really are doing a lot for people um yeah I was just like if I can literally stand here and repeat the same answer back to a 90 year old man that he's asked the same question in the last 10 minutes then I can do anything (laughs) it's amazing that you said like your immediate answer was every day and even even on those really hard days where you have situations like that or moments where your your patients are aggressive or mm. um, rude or you you end up with really tough situations with like relatives or people dying, there are still you're still yeah, able to always. find moments in those days. I've only had so I've been working for I think ten months now as a registered nurse. I've only had one bad shift. And I think a lot of that shift was my mind was elsewhere because my grandma had just gone into hospital and I was really worried about her. So I think it probably actually wasn't as bad a shift as it was, but it was more me distracted. But yeah, every single shift I've had, no matter what has happened, there's always something that you can... um, help and make better you can always make a death better you can make it more comfortable you can you know you can help someone be in less pain you can you know you can help someone be less sick no matter what extent you can always just help Mm. um and I think a lot of the time people being grateful for that definitely helps 
because people sometimes aren't very grateful and okay fine like I'm just doing my job yeah whatever but yeah just people being grateful you're just like it makes it so much easier to be kind to someone who's being kind to you kindness does go both ways a hundred percent and I think it must be in those you're you're dealing with people who sometimes are in the like worst moments of their Mm. lives and when you're in those moments I imagine it's very easy for people to forget to be kind and to just be a human and and for you to do that for them almost and kind of be that humanity and be that Mm. kindness in a moment yeah I mean invaluable I've, I've been called pretty much every every name under the sun you know shouted out all sorts and I think actually just knowing that you're not going to and you're not able to shout back at them you know call them whatever you're like no I'm gonna be better and I'm gonna be calm and I'm gonna explain to them that that's not okay and you know you just you really learn a lot of patience within yourself as well like patience with your own emotions because god like so many times you just want to like tell someone to shut up or like whatever but and I think a lot of it I've done a lot of mindfulness in my life and that's probably plays quite a large part of just dealing with emotional times in nursing because you do have to stop and think and know that you are doing a job Mm. uh, and be professional and really think about the words that you're saying so I think in 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 my limited experience I I was I've I've not been in hospital very much I was in hospital for a week Mm. um a few years ago and um out of everyone that I encountered so there were like everyone was incredible like you like the 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 porters and the the um the the doctors and the surgeons and but nothing compared to the way that you're treated by nurses yeah and it's they are the heart of the hospital they are the they are the kindness they are there's just nothing that we won't do if it's gonna help someone like part of my job now is just getting rid of pigeons (laughs) honestly i've now gotten rid of four pigeons in my 10 months of working because people leave the damn windows open too much (laughs) and a lot of people freak out because there's a pigeon in the damn room and it's like it's cool don't worry i'll get rid of it like honestly like yeah we have to put up and deal with just a lot of a lot of random stuff when Mm. when the doctors aren't there when the porters aren't there when the cleaners aren't there we kind of Mm. and don't get me wrong like hospitals are it's everyone's a cog in the whole machine and everyone's amazing but I think nursing is just that special part where you had spent so much time with patients you are their sort of first port of call and yeah it's honestly just doing you're their family whilst their family can't be there you're you're there I I I could just blub on you and say how fucking incredible I think what you do is I like I just it absolutely blows my mind and I I can't really comprehend why people can't understand 
how incredible it is what mm. you do and yeah I, I think it's an incredible job to have and um, when people just don't understand how much stuff we do you know think well why didn't you get me a blanket quicker well, I've been asking for a cup of tea for 10 minutes well actually I was just over there helping um, someone not be in pain because they're dying and they'd also pooed themselves so I just had to sort that out mm. so can you just bear with me like five minutes you know like they just and I know a lot of it is um, ignorance but not meaning to be ignorant it's just you you don't you don't think but I think that's also part of my anger with it it's like can you not think we're in a hospital mm-hmm. you might just be in with I don't know tonsillitis or something but next door there's someone with mouse, mouth cancer. Mouse cancer. <gasps> mouth cancer. And, you know, they need so much more help and support than mm. you do. And it's... Yeah. Yeah. I think that's... um, That gets very frustrating. Something that... um, I'd be interested to hear your answer, actually, because of what you've just said. Mm-hmm. But um, Alice also asked, on the flip side of what we just talked about... Has there been any moments that have made you question whether you want to continue to be a nurse? Mm. I think there was when I was a student because you're doing full-time hours alongside assignments, alongside living in student accommodation with whatever house dramas go along with that and, you know turning up on time with your uniform ironed and looking presentable because you're representing a uni Mm. god it's just exhausting and you're doing you're literally just doing the hours that they're being told and you don't get paid Mm. then you're just like why am i doing this but now i'm registered i have my like i have my own responsibilities and choice but i think that's part of the job i chose i chose to be currently a bank nurse so I get to choose my shifts which gives me an actual work-life balance Mm. which a lot of nurses don't get um so no not really and I know there's so many times where I think this is just what I do and it's it comes so easily to me that I know it's my job like I don't think I, I would be better off doing something else it's incredible like I so like on one side there are so many people who would just be so desperate to have that job where they're like oh yeah no this job is made for me Mm. I think that's really rare to be in a job where you're like no this is what I'm meant to be doing yeah and add to that the fact that it's what you do yeah like that must that's just so rare to have to to be in a a position where you're in the career that was made for you Mm. but for it to be something where you're career is dedicated to being there in people's hardest moments and worst moments and being their kindness and their love and their relative when they're not there and Mm. literally holding their hand brushing their hair yeah clearing up their poo Mm -hmm. doing everything possible to make that a better moment for them yeah yeah, no, I'm incredibly grateful that, one, that I don't have career struggles. Like, I'm never going to struggle to get a job. 
because nurses will always be in demand and that's just wonderful but also I know that like I don't I'm I don't do nursing like I am a nurse I don't I don't think of it as my job is separate to who I am mm. it's just merges in alongside it's just that when I'm at work I'm at work and when I'm home I'm home you know mm-hmm. I'm still being the same person in and out of hospital that's still um, your identity yeah <laughs> I don't know if you can hear this but Jorge is on on zoom to his family in Mexico <laughs> something is getting very exciting or heated or <laughs> something's going on um so my dad being my dad has asked what's the most disgusting thing you've ever had to do as a oh nurse oh my gosh I'm sure there's a long list so yeah there is a massive <laughs> list but one thing springs to mind and I just I still think it's actually hilarious um and also just disgusting at the same time um, what's it what's it relating to it's relating to poo so okay. trigger warning so if you don't like poo just skip skip ahead of you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe like five hours <laughs> I don't know. um so i was working as an hca in dimension to live in so um this gentleman woke up from his little afternoon nap kind of stumbled along to the toilet wasn't very confused but you know how you you know when you just wake up from a nap and you're like well what's going on mm. and in a lot of hospital toilets there's especially for elderly people, there's sort of frames that go over the toilet to kind of lift it up so it's not so far to sit down. Um, But that frame was, like, not over the toilet. It was next to the door. Okay. So he goes on in, uses the toilet, and comes out, and he's like, oh, no. Oh, I think I've had an accident. I was like, oh, no, what's happened? I'm like, oh, okay. Go into the bathroom. And he'd not sat on the toilet to do his business he'd sat on the frame which had just a big hole onto the floor <laughs> and it was honestly one of the biggest poos I've seen and I had to pick it up like a dog poo <laughs> and that's just not something you should do dog poos are nice and formed and oh, kind of no. oh wow yeah wow but that's part of the job <laughs> Thankfully, after doing a three-year degree, I do less picking up poo, which is great, and I feel like that's what you should, part of what you should have after doing a degree is that you have less contact with poo. Mm. It's what you do degrees for, right? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, still, obviously still have those times now as a nurse, and it's thing is I don't find it as disgusting because we're all just human like and especially when people are poorly you don't you can't control your body as much and it's just mm. like eh, you shit yourself it's okay yeah. we've all been there don't worry <laughs> don't be embarrassed <laughs> yeah. you know like yeah I don't I don't find it gross unless it's something like someone's coughed up something because I do not deal with sputum Okay. And I'm really glad we're wearing like masks at the moment because sometimes you just need to pull a face and Right. Yeah. Um that's another thing that I did find genuinely really disgusting and was very thankful I had a mask on. I uh, was working with one of my colleagues and we were doing some suctioning in a man's mouth just to kind of get the stuff that he couldn't cough up and she kind of managed to get this big glob of Goop, oh like, my god but then also pulled it out with the suction sort of tube 
and flung it onto his <gasps> bed sheet and it was like oh Oh yeah, no, 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 I'm no, I'm fine no. with a lot of bodily fluids, but but sputum. I think that would get me the worst as mm. well. You know, sputum. I just I can't. That's on rim. So yeah, <laughs> hope you're glad you're asked. You asked, Dad. Yeah, you're welcome. I I'm have sure many, everyone else has many more stories. Well, so <laughs> I've been trying to encourage Becky to like write down. I did like, start doing it, but I think somewhere I kind of just forgot to do bits you know you kind of have to think like oh that's something to write down that's something to write down otherwise yeah. you just because you said it you week. said it starts to feel normal and yeah. it's hard to distinguish what's the interesting exactly. stuff and what's the and yeah, yeah you do just forget to make a mental note that I should write that down so mm. yeah as you say it just becomes normal yeah um, yeah I feel that's very apt that your dad asked that seeing as he is shitty tights Yes, and I was just like everyone shit themselves. There you go, it's Dad. Fine. It's fine. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> That's from a nurse as well. Um. Finally, this is this is another question from my dad. Um, how do you wind down and distance yourself from the stresses of a day at work? Food. Mm, food is always good answer. I find food such a comfort like I look forward to eating um, just humour watching something funny mm. um, I honestly don't know because it does become a part of you and it's I've been asked this before where how do you kind of keep your work life and your you know worrying about patients and stuff Mm. and the truth is that you don't mm. like you do worry about your patients and you do want to check on them and you do want to just you do just think about them but I think appreciating that nursing is a 24 7 job and they are never going to be alone uh, and they will be looked after by the team that you work alongside who mm fantastic so yeah it's like I'm not there I get my break but that's still being looked after mm. um, yeah a lot Sound, of it's just humour yeah. because I think a lot of nursing is very it's very raw and it's very real life like it's as real life as you can get really like yeah so just watching funny things and actually appreciating that there is you know, there's good things and positive things that are still around. Mm. So, yeah. Funny vids. That's great. Funny vids. Funny TikToks. It sounds, it sounds like Sam is, like, perfect for you in that way as well. That he facilitates that oh, kind yeah. of that peaceful environment and that, that space to just be mm-hmm. silly and have fun. And and I think me and Sam actually complement each other so well. You mentioned about chronic fatigue and ME. He games a lot, so when we were first together, he would kind of, like, ask, like, oh, can I play a game with my friends? And I'd be like, yeah, it's cool. I'm going to nap for, like, two hours. So <laughs> you do that, I'll nap, and then we'll, like, watch a film or something. Like, it's just perfect. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, That's lush. Yeah. He... He's... Yeah. And I think that's that's way more an important thing to have as your support than, like someone who 
keeps the house tidy or does the washing up? Ahem, ahem. <laughs> Still, please do it, but... <laughs> no, but yeah, as you say, it's... He is a facilitator of that and it's yeah. just... Yeah, lovely. That compliments you. Yeah. Really. My beautiful, beautiful friend, Nayo, um, mm. who is a teacher... Ah. Um, and a honey. Honey. Uh, asks, how have your experiences of being a nurse impacted your political or social perspectives? Oh, wow, so much. So I, when I was at college, I always thought like, oh, I'm not really interested in politics. I always thought it was kind of Oxford Law students who were really interested in politics. Mm. And actually, mainly in the last, probably about two years, mm. I have really formed my, like, political opinions. Um... And I love the NHS and I, as, you know, working in healthcare, I wouldn't want to work for a better, you know, more deserving company. But, wow, it's just so chronically underfunded and the decisions that are being made from higher above just don't make sense. And it does make me want to move out from the UK. Like, it really does. Um, Because it's really made me realise how much power these people have over things that don't make sense. Like, um, how a lot of Conservative Prime Ministers recently have said that they will vote for weekly testing for NHS, all NHS staff, to make sure that they are COVID free and that they are keeping their patients COVID free and yet they go and vote in um, the House of Parliament or wherever they vote, I don't know, uh, completely against that. They vote no for it. Uh, But what makes the headlines is that they're going to do it. So that's what people see, but they don't. They see that they're voting for it, but not that they voted against it. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's just so frustrating and it just feels like you are running up a hill and you're just being, wind is just, Mm. it's just impossible. This is the thing that I could get so angry about. (laughs) (laughs) But throughout this whole pandemic, the way that nurses in particular have been treated and the NHS has been treated by the government for so many years and you're being expected to go in, in going into an environment that is suddenly even more dangerous mm-hmm. to go into you're putting your life on the line yeah. every day more than you were before mm-hmm. and you then have these these applauses every Thursday from people like Boris Johnson and from people yeah. like the government who are voting against the NHS and, and selling off the NHS and people are still going outside and not paying attention to social distancing policies. Yeah. And it's Such... knowing the people who are nurses, like you, mm-hmm. your heart is so big that you're not the sort of person that you could so rightfully turn around and be like, well, fuck you then. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah. See Someone how, see how you deal it, with yeah. it. You're, it's not something They know you that leave. you're not the sort of people that are going to do that because your heart is in what you do. Yeah. And you are the sort of person that will, at the end of the day you're going to help people. 
Yeah. And it feels like they abuse that mm. because they know that you're going to do it. And it's not the kind of job that you can say, no, I'm not doing it because people will die. And that's not good. And yeah, it feels... <clears throat> These claps have been partly lovely mm. for the people who are genuinely... Um, really care about the NHS and healthcare workers and key workers, not just NHS workers, key workers as well. Um, all the people who are working in shops and driving buses and driving taxis have still had to work and still keep this society going. Um, and it's also felt equally just a huge stab in the back mm. when you come home and, you know, you you have this clapping but then the next day you see people walking around and you're just like why are you out mm. I'm walking to my job where I'm looking after people I literally have to go to my job you do not need that second walk of the day in fact you didn't even really need a first walk of the day we can live in our houses that's what they're for mm-hmm. like come on so yeah very angry just yeah, infuriating. Um, and then they, they turn around and cap uh, NHS workers' pay and get rid of um, student nurse contracts whilst they're working. Um, it's just crazy. It's so fucked up. It's, yeah. Yeah, I can, um, I can understand how being in nursing has made you far more political, mm. especially working in the NHS. And I, yeah, I, w- I was not expecting that and... Now I look back and think, wow, like, it's, it's now doesn't even just feel political, it just feels normal, it just feels, I don't think of it as politics, I think of it as how society is. Mm. Um, Does it feel like it's something that can't even be changed? (sighs) Not currently, Mm. not um, whilst certain people are in power and while certain people are allowed to make those decisions um yeah who who would vote against nhs staff being weekly tested to protect people if it was their mum who was in hospital and the nurse who was looking after them had tested positive but didn't know they wouldn't want them their mum anywhere near them. Mm-hmm. So why are they voting against it? It's it's just completely taking the humanity out of it. Mm. Yeah, and I don't think people should be allowed to make decisions like that. Mm. So I don't know. I feel like that whole question about how it's impacted your political and like social as well would be really interesting to talk about your perspectives of that of how that's changed I feel like that could be a whole other two hour conversation at least that's a huge conversation and I think actually that's a conversation that a lot of people need to hear from you and Mm. from as a nurse yeah because a lot of the time what we hear is from the press Mm -hmm. or from politicians about the state of our healthcare. Yeah. And it's very rare that we get the opportunity to sit down and actually have a conversation with someone mm-hmm. who is going through it and is seeing it every day and yeah. is on that front line. Yeah. And 
whose life it impacts. Mm-hmm. And I would love to like have a conversation with you based all around that. Yeah. Um, maybe for a, a future podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. The what the press is telling you isn't well. It's true, and or it's kind of altered to think that everything's okay, and it's the actually. Uh, reality of it in hospital is is the opposite so yeah it's mm. that's definitely a, a big topic mm. um but yeah i'll just yeah. put that on the back burner yeah <laughs> Ooh, pop, pop a pin in that one yeah um your final question is from jasper who is kim's partner um, and Love he the name Jasper. Asked, great, great name. <laughs> um, he says, "What advice would you give to your fourteen-year-old self?" Oh man, great question. I mean, I just I feel like there's probably quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And Emmy's previous episode um, of her call to action: "This too shall pass." just I love that it rings so true because the awful bits will pass and things will get better and you won't care about all this stupid stuff later on um so that in a way in a kind of bundled up shorter version Mm. um Mm. It's very hard, I think, um, from what you've said, you had quite a turbulent um, teenagehood. Yeah. Um, and it's a time of real pressure and stress, stress and anxiety. And mm. yeah, for um, everyone. it's yeah. so hard to see a way out a lot of the time. Yeah. And I can completely understand why your message to your 14 year old self would be Mm. just know that there is this will pass there's a light at the end of the tunnel there always is um and I I say that to patients now that you know I've looked after um young girls who have been in a very similar position to me and I, I say to them look I've been where you have you will get better you, it will be okay and I I hope that that means something to them I hope that you know sparks something in them to help their own recovery but yeah that's the advice I would give myself mm. whether I would listen to it is a different thing but <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's lovely so your final task for the podcast is to give us a call to action um, and this can be something that you would like to leave our listeners with whether that is something to listen to something to watch something to read um, something to think about um, so I thought about this before and I actually feel like it's been a huge running theme through this episode anyway <clears throat> but um, my call to action would be just remember how powerful kindness can be um smiles to to strangers on the street saying thank you and genuinely meaning it um just being patient when you need to be patient 
Um, it means so much. It really does. Um, and it's, it is free, as I said before. Kindness is free. And it's cool. Kindness is cool. <laughs> like, I will respect someone so much more if they are kind. Like, just be kind, y'all. And also watch <laughs> Queer Eye. Wow, that is a show. <laughs> Talk about being kind, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I, I know it's been out for a few years now, but I've cried every single episode and it is just, it's not even sad tears, it is like overwhelming loveliness tears. Mm. So, watch that. Be kind to yourself as well. Self-care. Mm. Don't, don't go and be kind to other people when you're not looking after yourself, when you're not being kind to yourself. Um your brain will believe everything you tell it and if you need to say kind things to it to make it feel better then that's what you need to do I love that that's an awesome call to action thank you thank you so much um, to our podcast guest Becky Um, I'd just like to end by saying I think you are an incredible human and um, I want to offer a thank you for everyone who you have helped um, in this pandemic and before that and everyone you will help in the future. Um, I think what you do is superhuman and you are a hero and I... I just want to offer you a thank you from me and from everyone who... You're going to make me cry. (laughs) I'm going to cry as well. I'm an emotional wreck. I just watched Hamilton for the first time and I'm just like not prepared. But yeah, you're, you're just the heart of, you're the heart of the NHS and you are, um, we owe so much to you. So thank you. And we will do whatever we, me and me and my friends and family will do whatever we can to protect you and to protect the NHS and take care of you as much as you take care of us. Bake me things. (laughs) Did you hear that? (laughs) Baker things, people. You know where I live. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. I just want to give you a hug. I know. It fucking sucks. (laughs) Um, uh, a huge thank you to my partner, Jorge, and um, the very talented Jack Drury for creating the podcast music. Excellent job. Um, and, of course, a massive thank you to all of you for listening. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon.